Welcome to 12 Questions with Anna Valenzuela. Today we are interviewing Larry M. He is, it's a short, like, sweet episode because when you've been clean for a gazillion years, you just say what you say and you move on. And it's it's pretty cool. Um, you can uh, catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Anna V is fun. Uh, you can check out my YouTube channel. Just made myself a little YouTube channel. Anna V, Anna Valenzuela comedy on YouTube. You can see a video of my comedy uh, and you can catch me on Facebook. If you have any questions for me, you can just email me at Anna Valenzuela comedy. Uh, at gmail.com. You guys are the best. Thanks. Let's do this. Hi. 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 Uh, <laughs> this is 12 Questions, and I'm interviewing Larry. Do you want me to give you a, a last name or just Larry, last initial? Larry M. Larry M. Yes. Yay, Larry <laughs> M. And you're just so fantastic. I've always uh, really admired your shares and your story. Oh, thank um, you. Before we get into the questions, is there any backstory you want to give? Not really. Not no, really? <laughs> no. I mean, other than the fact that I, I had a breakdown when I was in my early 20s. Okay. And I was in a mental hospital for a while, a stress breakdown. And that's why I was introduced to, to the pills that I took all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I used for 26 years on a daily basis. And now I'm uh, clean 25 years. Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's so cool. It's so cool. And you show up, you you go to a meeting a day, sometimes oh, two. Oh, sometimes two or three, yes. Wow. Well, I have a lot of sponsees. Now that I'm retired, I'm able to spend time doing meetings and meeting sponsees before and after. Oh, that's amazing. So I, they I keep like, you busy? Uh, pretty much. I've got 14 of them. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. 14? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's one more sponsee than I've been clean. <laughs> that's insane that's amazing how uh how, which one have you been have you been sponsoring them for a very long time some of them yeah wow yeah some of them i've got a couple that i've been sponsoring for 15 16 years and uh, uh some that are new that's you know so it's always changing it's always changing do they all call pretty regularly pretty regularly yeah yeah that's amazing that's so cool all right, and we meet once a week, too. I okay. try to meet with my sponsees once a week for an hour, an hour and a half to do step work. Individually or as yes. a group? It, oh, individually. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This yeah. is like your full-time job. I think it is at this point <laughs> in my life, you know. I'm retired, uh, so I've got... Uh, you know, you got to have a reason to get up in the morning. This is true. You know, and, and it's been such a great gift to me right. to be able to get clean in the program I'm in that uh, I, I feel that there's nothing better I could do with my life at this point. That's incredible. Thank and you've you. mentioned this in meetings that you were a retired stage actor. Yes. Oh, that's yes. beautiful. Right. How many years did you do that? Well, I started working when I was about 11, Whoa. and I worked until I was 44, 45, 44, I think. Yeah. Wow. That's so, great. Yeah. That's beautiful. All right. You ready for some questions? I am. All right. How do you experience surrender? Well, for me, surrender, uh, when I got here to the program, mm-hmm. you know, when I got to the program, 
meant um, giving up uh, the drugs, obviously, mm -hmm. and surrendering to the conventional wisdom of the program. In other words, I did whatever I was told. Now, there, it's not because I'm a great guy or because I'm so exemplary person. I'm not. But what it was was that I was very, very desperate. Right. I, I, was, I had the gift of desperation, as they say. So I just said, help me do anything. Tell me to do anything. I'll do it. You know, I didn't come in boxing. I came in with my arms right. open, like put it in my arms, tell me what to do. And that, that's why I've never relapsed. I've been here 25, almost 26 years. It will be in October. And uh, I've never had to relapse because I just did what was suggested that's, and still do. That's so cool. So that, that's the kind of surrender, you know. There were other things, too. I had to give up my old playmates. Mm-hmm. And my old playgrounds. And I had to cut loose uh, over time of all of the bad habits and, you know, the, the things that aren't consistent with a recovery way of life. Well, do you mind describing, like, some of those bad habits? Or? Oh, no, I will. Uh, <laughs> sexual promiscuity. Oh. And um, uh gossiping oh, and uh, that's a hard one oh it is it is because yeah. uh, so much of talk I realize is gossip because now that I don't do it anymore it jumps out at me <laughs> when other people do you know <laughs> and it's very uh, disheartening but but I was able to cut loose of those things you know it is a process right so not everything happened in a very short time you mm -hmm. know it, it was over time I started to the road got narrower as they say. Right. You know, the behaviors that were acceptable at the beginning were no longer acceptable as I went along, and I cut them loose little by little. Was there a specific year where things kind of narrowed down or No, I don't think progressively? so. Not that I know of. Oh, okay. I, I never thought about it that way. But I do think that some of the things I recognized right from the start were not going to work if I was going to be in a 12-step program. Right. You know, I couldn't live dirty and stay clean, Oof. you know. That doesn't work. And, yeah. uh, and the other thing was, of course, that I knew that when I came in, I still had a pretty good libido, and I knew that I couldn't afford to s share my illness with other people mm. by engaging them in, you know, yeah. uh, those kinds of behaviors. Right. So I've, I've always been very clear about that. I put firm boundaries on that for me. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. What's been your most insane moment in and out of recovery? Well, my most insane moment out of recovery was when I flipped out entirely uh, in my youth behind smoking pot of all things. But I got very paranoid, very anxious, and had a full-blown panic attack mm -hmm. that never really subsided. It did to a certain extent, but I was anxious for a long time right. after that, that uh, panic mm -hmm. attack. I would say the only insane moment I've had in my recovery was when I took my first-year cake okay. at, uh, at a hospital where there was a big auditorium, you know, a big stage and everything and I was at the the meeting it was a big meeting the biggest in the San Fernando Valley at the time and uh, I was having a bad day 
And when I got up, I said, I'm not grateful. <laughs> this is after a year clean. I'm not grateful. I don't like people. I don't feel, uh, I don't feel part of here. I was, I was very negative, you know. Yeah. Now I realize that was a terrible disservice to do to the newcomers because I was only feeling that way that day. I really didn't have to unload all that on everybody in the room, some who were absolutely new. You know. True, but there's, you know, there's a part of me that really appreciates when people in a meeting say that. You know? Well, I was honest, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. I was honest. But I, I don't think I would do that today. If I'm having a bad day, I know that that's going to pass. Yeah, exactly. Everything works out. You know? Totally. So, How do you make decisions in your life? Well, most of them I make according to the program. You know, I, I do, uh, I write about things. I call my sponsor and run things by him. And I will even do that with sponsees and friends who aren't my sponsor, you know. And I will go to a meeting and try to listen because I've found, I don't know how this works, but it seems to, that every time I'm wrestling with something or having a problem of some kind, if I go to a meeting, someone at that meeting will say exactly what I need to hear. Yeah. So that, that helps a lot. And sometimes I just read the book and, uh, you know, and, and the uh, the readings the reflections you know and so forth and uh and i get a lot of help that way but i ultimately my sponsor is the person that i've entrusted my recovery to in the sense that he's here to guide me and help me right and because i respect him so much and the time that he has and the program that he has um i have no trouble telling him anything and listening to any feedback he has. That's great. That's great. How did you meet him? He was just in a meeting? He, or? Well, he was here when I first got here. And okay. uh, I, I admire his program. He's a very, very kind man. And he's gentle. He's soft-spoken. I, I didn't need a tough guy in my yeah. life. I, that wouldn't work for me, you know. Some people need that, though. Mm-hmm. And they, they feel more comfortable with that. But this gentleman is very civilized and gentle and soft-spoken and uh and i don't feel ever that he is threatening or controlling or anything like Mm -hmm. that he's just got a strong program that's rad Mm -hmm. that's so cool so decision making in line Mm -hmm. with the program um any other talking to my sponsor talking to your sponsor writing right going to meetings and listening and discussing things with friends as well. Okay. And yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, how do you, what was the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself in the process of the steps? Well, it's going to sound a little strange, but I learned that I'm not either as good a person as I thought I was or as bad a person as I thought I was. Right. You know, I found out that I was just a garden variety addict who um, who needed to be in recovery and that uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, a horrifying pariah and I certainly wasn't the wonderful person I had thought I was when I was out there. Totally. Yeah. Totally. There's that question in the first step of the Stop Working Guide where it says, do you believe you're a, a horrible monster or the most insignificant thing on the planet? Mm-hmm. So, well, actually, they, those things would vary. 
yeah. to me between the two. Uh, you know, I was, it's interesting. I, I, I was uh, had a uh, low self-esteem, mm-hmm. but thought very highly of myself. Right. Even though I felt worthless, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I don't even understand today how that could coexist in the brain but it seemed to be for me i thought very highly of all my accomplishments and everything and that i was an exemplary person in a lot of ways and yet always in my heart i felt less than right. and not fitting in and being awkward and mm-hmm. you know it just it's part of the disease i think yeah definitely how how do you feel your levels of honesty are in your day to day well, much, much more honest okay. in my life. I, I, I would like to be able to say that I'm totally honest all the time, but that wouldn't be true, you know. I, I still am able to, um, I don't so much prevaricate, but certainly I won't say certain things. And I, mm. you know, I try to skirt um, confrontation and, hurting somebody's feelings and like that and sometimes in that regard I'm less than honest you know but I try not to be that way with my sponsees because they have entrusted me with right guiding them in their recovery and if I just try to placate them and not then I'm not doing my job and they're not going to recover you know they signed up for the unfiltered opinion absolutely absolutely (laughs) And, and that's what I try to do you know but uh, at the beginning of my recovery, I realized that I had lied to myself more than anybody else, I think. You know, I, right. was, I had all kinds of illusions and ideas and core beliefs that were not so, you know, I just... Yeah. yeah. We think insane things about the world. Well, exactly. And about my place in it. Yes. You know, so. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, how, do you, how do you deal with fear and anxiety? Uh, I have anxiety. You know, mm-hmm. I have an anxiety disorder, actually. Hey, me too. Do you really? Yeah, I had a panic ah. attack last week, first time in four years. Ah. And it was so weird because I was like, what do I... Hi. Um, I was so... I tried to do the program thing, like, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And then at one point I had to just say, I'm powerless over my brain chemistry and my hormones. And it just right. happened. It literally just happened. There was nothing I did wrong. Right. It just occurred. Right. So. Well, I have to do the same. You know, yeah. I, I walk through anxiety yep. is what I do because my sp- sponsor said to me one time, in many instances, the only way out is through. Yeah. And that helped me because I realized I, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to treat my anxiety. You know, mm-hmm. I do see a therapist, and he tries to give me tools for dealing with it. But the best tools are right here in the program, I think. Yeah. And uh, when anxiety comes, I just ride it out until it leaves. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable like, sometimes, but... Yeah, it's like uh, riding a roller coaster in an ice bucket or something. Yes. Yeah, it feels... It's very, very strange. Very strange yeah, feeling. Yeah. Um, so what defects were you most surprised by and that were the hardest to let go? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I uh, I think probably my arrogance, mm. you know, my criticalness of others, you know, that 
I, it's almost like I, even though I felt very bad about myself, I thought I was just a little smarter than everybody else, <laughs> <laughs> which is ludicrous. But but I, I, I thought, you know, well, I know better and I know more and uh, and stuff. And it's not like that today. I listen to every, what everybody has to say. And uh, one of the great things about being in recovery is that you can be wrong. Yeah. I can admit when I'm wrong, when I didn't have it right, when I didn't size it up properly. Um, I don't know that I ever had that luxury before I came No, because you have to be right. You have to be right all the time and defend Mm -hmm. it with your dying breath. Yeah. That's so exhausting. It is. And it's a waste of time, too. Absolutely. So that's how I... Those were the things I struggled with most. Okay. But... They're much, much less than they ever were. And when they do pop up, I know immediately what I'm up to. You know, <laughs> after having done the steps, you don't have much that, uh, you know, that you can't uh, identify in the way of, of right. a defect. And I'm able to knock it off pretty quickly and make my amends and do that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What is the, what's the area where those defects kind of still want to, kind of kick themselves out of the box well i think probably in the area of of uh, knowledge about the world and how it works and all of that stuff Uh. you know i mean really i'm not a a genius of any kind and i i don't even know that i'm as bright as the average bear so to speak you know I, i have no idea but i do think that my head always told me that i had a little more on the ball Right. Than I ever did. So, so that stuff comes up, and, and I have to be very careful. I have to keep myself on a short leash. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Well, at the risk of patting your ego, I do have to say I find you incredibly intelligent oh, well, and well spoken. The way that you talk about the steps, I'm always like, oh, oh there he goes. <laughs> I was well, learning a new you. angle. So <laughs> thank it's, you. It's good. But you know, the truth is, everything I know about recovery, I was taught in the rooms. Right. It, it's all received wisdom. Nothing that I came up with, you know. I, I was 360 degrees the opposite of everything that recovery is about mm. when I came in. And the only things I know today is what I was taught in these rooms. Right. Because what I knew before wasn't working for me. Right. You know, no, none of the... I needed to grow up at the age of 46... And I grew up in public, in the rooms, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. I get it. Mm-hmm. How do you experience forgiveness? Uh, I don't seem to have a big problem with that. There okay. was one resentment I held on to for a long time, involving a relative, you know, part of my family of origin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't seem to be able to get beyond... Uh, thinking ill of this person. And then I had to do a, really, a uh, inventory about it. And I realized that this person was, was doing the best they could with the light they had to see by. Right. And that they were themselves victims of some very rough things early in their life. Mm-hmm. And that I really didn't have much right to to dislike or discredit them 
because in many, many ways they were a hundred times better than their parents in terms of how they treated me and my brother and so forth. Right. So I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, couldn't hang on to that. I realized, I, I made a list of all the things they had done for me that were positive. You know, when you do a gratitude list, you, you recognize how much we don't usually recognize yeah. or, or lay claim to, you know. So uh, it helped me a great deal. That's amazing. I went through that too with my parents. And, and, and I got to a point where once I finished that gratitude list, mm-hmm. and um, especially when I really started living my life, not really surviving it, but just living it, I saw all the gifts that they did give me. Yes. And so what I, I did is I decided, you know what, I can love them unconditionally. Right. And they don't have to love me back. That doesn't no. have to be real. No. This can no. just be love in one direction, and I'm perfectly happy with happy it. Happy with that. I uh, was at a meeting one time, and a gentleman said, if you want to make a marriage work, for instance, mm-hmm. or a romantic relationship, you have to accept the other person 100% for who they are, and they don't have to accept you at all. <laughs> if you have that understanding you will do very well in your relationship. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I hope I can get there someday. <laughs> it's not an easy order. No, no it is no, not. It <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that I have it all under a rabbit. That's not true either. So, you know. It's so easy to love someone unconditionally when they pick their underwear off of the floor every day. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I love people yes. so much more when they don't leave their dirty dishes in the sink. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, what is your, what was the most difficult amends you had to make? Well, the thing that was really difficult for me was to make an indirect amends. I didn't feel somehow that I was fully making an amends because the people that I had harmed by participating in certain behaviors with. Mm-hmm. Uh, were not in my life anymore. I didn't know who they were in many cases. They were people that were prostitutes and strangers and, you know. And I felt bad about having um, interacted with them in a way that made them feel worse about themselves than they needed to, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, That weighed heavily upon me. So what my sponsor said is, then your job is to work with a lot of people. Do that as an amends to all the people you might have hurt or made feel less than by participating in certain behaviors with them. Yes, they were willing participants, but that didn't make me feel better, you know? So what I I do now is that I'm, I'm very, very available to the newcomer. I try to help where I can and how I can. And any time somebody asks me to sponsor them, I make it a point to say yes. Wow. So that's how I, I would, that, but that was difficult because I kept feeling like, yeah, but that doesn't really even up the score. And, hmm. and my sponsor said, there's no score to even up. Exactly. You just have to make your amends, you know. And, exactly. And a living amends is always the best amends, I think. Why? Well, because, you know, I could make a, a, an amends... Uh, 
for something that I do, and and then if I do it again and again, I, it's not really a living amends, you know. I, I I'm I know I had relatives. Uh, we were in a certain faith, you know, mm-hmm. where you could go and talk to the um, priest, and you could say. I did this and I did this and I did this, and then you would be absolved from the from that, uh, you know, when you did some praying and stuff. But most of my friends and relatives just went out and did all that stuff all over again because they knew they could always go back to the priest and right. say, you know, and be absolved. So I, I think a living amends for me means that if I really feel bad about something and I make a true amends, then I can't repeat that behavior. Yeah. Over and over. It's got to be a living amends, you know. Right. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. it. That's it. Okay, so you mentioned this before, but how do you live this on a day-to-day basis? Well, it's not. It's uh, clockwork now. It's just, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, I, I'm a creature of habit, mm-hmm. like all addicts. And if I do something over and over and over, it becomes part of who I am. And I don't really have a lot of problems staying out of uh, the bad behaviors that I used to do because I haven't practiced them day at a time for so long that they, I lost the habit, so to speak. Right. You know, I, I've I've uh, been able to. Uh, they said, "Bring the body, and the mind will follow." You know. Yeah. And I, by doing, behaving in a certain way, my thinking changed. And today, it's not even that much of a struggle to do the right thing. It just comes pretty naturally. Right. That doesn't mean I don't fall sometimes and do, you know. Yeah. But when I catch myself, then I have to go back again. But most, most of the time, my life is pretty, pretty good. And I don't seem to be hurting anybody or myself, which mm-hmm. is quite, quite an accomplishment. Yeah. For me. <laughs> What's your relationship with your higher power like? Well, let me say it once that I don't understand God. Uh, I'm I, I really uh, kind of envious of religionists who right. have a real clear picture of what mm-hmm. God's all about and how God operates and what God wants and what God doesn't want and what, what God hates and what God doesn't hate. I, I'm, not, um, I, I'm not bright enough. To understand anything like that God is an infinite kind of thing that's beyond my ken you yeah. know I don't understand but I do know that I have a relationship with a higher power that when I reach out to that God things change in my life I become more functional more decent uh, my life changes in in all kinds of ways when I established a relationship with my higher power, whom I don't really understand. Right. I'm not even sure what constitutes mm-hmm. that higher power. I don't think in my way of seeing it that it's some kind of person or anthropomorphic deity or something like that. I, I, it might be, but I, I, I have a hard time buying that. Mm-hmm. But I, knew, I know there is a force in the universe and in me and probably in everybody, that what we call the angels of our better natures, mm. you know, yeah. that, uh, with, that I can tap into and do the right thing and feel good about it. And I also know that I have a proclivity, uh, based on my past, 
to dip down into behaviors that are of my lower nature. Right. So by doing the right things over and over and over, I seem to be able to let this force, this power, whatever God is, work in my life, you know. Okay. I have to invite God in. Right. Always, always. Right. That's awesome. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Okay. So last question. Yes. We went through this so fast. You're so fantastic. Oh, thanks. The, um, you mentioned all the ways that you're of service. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite way of being of service and what, what's the thing? Cause this lives on the internet and some folks, a couple hundred folks listen to it. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the one bit of service you'd like to impart on on folks for? Well, for me, yeah, I can only speak for me. Okay, right? uh, sponsorship. Okay, you know, I'm I have no um, desire to make myself famous in Narcotics Anonymous or AA or any of the programs. Right. I'm just a member, mm-hmm. and my best work is done in the trenches, one on one with another addict, trying to help them to save their own lives. Totally. Utilizing these steps, these traditions, the tools, uh, the conventional tools of the program. So I think the most satisfied, I don't do a lot of area service or or any kind of uh, regional service or anything like that. Right. But I spend a lot of time sponsoring people. And, and I'm also the... Uh, the secretary of a few meetings, mm-hmm. and I speak a lot. Yeah, you when do. When I'm asked to speak, yeah, I do. And it's fantastic. Well, thank you. But I think the most satisfying thing is the actual work I do one-on-one with yeah. sponsees. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, before we go, how's your heart? How's My it heart? feeling? Well, you know, I've been having heart problems. Yeah. But. My first reaction when I realized there was some stuff going on that wasn't ideal was, oh, my God, I'm going to die and all that. Well, I don't think that's true. I think I need a, cha- a little adjustment in my heart rhythm medications. Yeah. And I think I need to, uh, to be monitored a lot more, which is possible now because I've, I took home a machine that they gave me that I put next to my bed. And they can read out my heart any time. That's exciting. And, yeah, and they do that once a month. And uh, if anything's wrong, they will let me know, you know. Okay. So I'm, I'm hoping that those things help. And uh, about five years ago, I thought I was going to die. Oh. I thought I was, um, you know, I had had several uh, heart attacks that because I have a defibrillator, Mm-hmm. Uh, they never actually became artists. You know? It was like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. But, but, but uh, you know, I didn't die then, and I'm probably not going to die now either at this point. So That's amazing. Yeah. You're awesome. Thank, Thank you so you, much for sweetheart. doing this. Oh, Taking really time out of your busy it. day. Well, I enjoyed it very Yay, much. Anytime. Thank you awesome. so much, Thank honey. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>